Welcome to Forbes Newsroom. Joining me now is staff writer Zach Everson. Zach, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me again, Brittany. Always a pleasure. So it really feels like 2009 with some of these stories we're about to break down between Kanye West and Taylor Swift. So let's get right to it. Let's start with Kanye, now legally known as Ye. He has announced he's going to run for president. So before we break that down, can you just explain the controversy that's surrounding him? Sure. Um, in, in, in a word, anti-Semitism. Uh, he's been posting all sorts of anti-Semitic tweets and making other comments. And, uh, you know, this is one of the differences between 2009 and 2020 when he ran for president before is it is it is a different Kanye than uh, what people are used to. So what is this current Kanye running for president? How serious was this announcement? Um, like an offhand remark, something I'm doing. I mean, I would look a lot at how he, when he ran for president last time, where he was largely disinterested. He got 68, excuse me, 68,000 votes, which was seventh nationally behind a candidate for the Party for Socialism and Liberation. Um, didn't know we had such a party, but they beat Kanye. Um, he wasn't holding rallies. He wasn't really doing much. He was really put on the ballot in several states by Republican operatives who thought he would take votes away from uh, from Joe Biden. So speaking to that, he was flanked by a far-right commentator, Milo Yiannopoulos, during this announcement. What do you think that means? Um, Ye needs help. Um, Milo's really you know, been banned from every sort of platform. He was, he was one of those people who was really uh, visible at the beginning of the Trump years. And then he got, he got deplatformed and, and largely disappeared. So, um, you know, I would expect a few small outrageous stunts, but I would imagine Ye's going to get bored with it. And I mean, I just don't see it going anywhere. Do you think this would delegitimize his campaign even further, or does he have some sort of appeal to the far right? He might, but you know, the far right already has an announced candidate in uh, in Donald Trump, and I can't imagine he's going to siphon votes away from Trump. And if Republican operatives thought that was going to be the case at all, they certainly wouldn't work to get him on the ballot like they did previously. And he did claim that he was going to be using some of the clothing from Adidas, Balenciaga, and Gap um, to promote his 2024 campaign. But th this clothing, he got deals taken away from him after his anti-Semitic comments. So is there a market for Ye gear now? That I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, it, it, let, me, let me go back. If you look at the political appeal of like Trump, especially after mm -hmm. Charlottesville, there was appeal for that kind. People were interested in that. So, yeah, you might find some interest in getting a pair of Yeezys. But, you know, I'm, I'm a season ticket holder to the Washington Spirit and the National Women's Soccer League. And I've seen several people around there wearing Yeezys in the past. And I'm, I'm going to bet next season I'm not going to see people at the games walking around in Yeezys there. So uh, very limited. Good to know. So now moving on to Taylor Swift. <laughs> There was a debacle last week with her tickets for the Eras tour. Can you give us a brief overview of that? Sure. Uh, it was the biggest story in my world in that I didn't even make the wait list. I was uh, on the on the wait list for the excuse me, I was on the wait list for the presale, which is just embarrassing. And Ticketmaster couldn't handle the traffic. It was just a mess. If you were on social media, your feed was overwhelmed by people complaining about how they were in the queue and got tossed out or they couldn't get through and all these bots were buying tickets. And then you'd find them for a hundred thousand dollars a show on the secondary market, at which point uh, Ticketmaster just said, all right, we're going to hold the regular sale of this. We need to pause and reflect. Yeah. The Swifties were really vocal 
about their anger towards that whole situation. So Ticketmaster did give people, like you said, those pre-sale codes. What happened? How could they not control this? There were just too many of them and they, and they got slammed by bots. I believe I read somewhere it was four times as much traffic as they've ever seen before. Um, you know, Taylor, Taylor Swift's really popular. And apparently, I think she'd have to like play 900 consecutive stadium tours to cover all the demand that they've seen so far, which is a pretty ambitious touring schedule. And the outrage even reached Congress. There were some congressional responses between Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, David Cicilline, Amy Klobuchar. What has the congressional response been? So this is one of those stories that Congress loves and that they get to position themselves as fighting on behalf of, of, the, of the Taylor Swift fans. I mean, who's not going to like that? And it's going to be a tough one to push back against because you don't want to be seen as anti-Taylor Swift. I mean, that's that's really not the good play, you know. Even if these Congress people don't particularly care about her, a lot of them have kids who do. Um, so they are—they were calling for, or they actually just announced today that there will be hearings into uh, what happened with Ticketmaster. The the issue is when they okayed the merger between Live Nation and Ticketmaster, which were two competitors. Uh, the their argument was that they should not have been allowed to merge; that it would violate an anti anti um, antitrust clause. It got okayed anyways, and now we have a situation like what we saw last week. So do you, is this a monopoly? Some representatives outright called it that on social media. Yeah, I mean, there's a good argument that it is. And, and we'll see. You know, it, Congress and, and the Judiciary Department have very, very reluctant to ban sort of ban mergers from, uh, from block mergers from being monopolies. You, you don't see it all that often, most notably with uh, T-Mobile and Sprint. When they merged a few years back, there was a big pushback against that being allowed that you you know, we were going down to just three major carriers at that point, and it, it went through without a problem. So what, what really interests me with this is that Ticketmaster, or Live Nation rather, the, the parent company of Ticketmaster, has a pack, but it's been very quiet in that they have uh, collected $86,000 from senior employ- senior staff of Live Nation, but their, uh, their disbursements is a blank space. They have not reported making any disbursements whatsoever yet. So It'll be very interesting to see if that changes. Um, and as individuals, the senior employees have spent $137,000 on campaign donations. And what I really interesting is most of that, or the largest re- recipient was John Ossoff of Georgia. He is on the subcommittee that is going to be holding the hearings. So we'll see what happens there. We'll see if they start spending, if the PAC starts spending more money. They did not get back to an inquiry, but... It was really interesting that they supported him to such an extent since he wasn't even in cycle. Yeah. So why launch a PAC if you're not going to give any money? Rainy day fund. You know, maybe they decided they didn't need it now, hold their powder for this election. But, you know, there's a great time to start uh, start start making some contributions. And that's when you're going to be called in before a congressional panel for a hearing. So I am, uh, you know, monitoring that and we're going to see if uh if you know if they're able to, uh, if they start making spending some money, and why do you think that Live Nation staffers are giving to Democrats more than Republicans? Uh, they're probably the ones who are most likely to be uh, arguing about antitrust. You know, Republicans are generally seen as pro business, pro big business, and Democrats are the ones who are most likely to be portrayed as against that. So makes a good point, you know, not necessarily to give money to your to your friends, but give people to people, uh, lawmakers who might be your critics. 
That's a good point. Is that the same point why you reported that the one corporate contribution Live Nation made itself was $8,700 to the 2016 host committee for the Democratic National Convention? It could be. Obviously, that was several years ago. Uh, It could also be just that somebody there had a connection to Philadelphia. You know, one of the seniors, senior leaders there had it and viewed it not necessarily as a political donation, but something that was going to be good for their home city. Um, said I reached out, they didn't get back to me on that one, but that, that really was an interesting donation to be like their one and only, the company's one and only direct contribution. Zach, I do want to touch on one more controversy of the week, and that's New York Democrat Representative Carolyn Maloney, who is facing an ethics review for or over her ticket to the Met. Can you explain? Sure. So uh, Representative Maloney, who's already on her way out of Congress, she lost a primary to a uh, fellow longtime Democrat incumbent, uh, Jerry Nadler. It was announced uh, yesterday that she was under investigation for accepting a ticket to the Met Gala. Actually, what was different was they're allowed to accept tickets to a charitable events like that. They are not allowed to ask for them. So apparently what did her in was being thirsty she was on the guest list for a long time, but in 2016 got cut. Uh, the Office of Congressional Ethics claims that she made a few phone calls and got herself invited there. And you know those tickets are obviously super pricey. And in that way, they're saying she violated an ethics rules. So um, AOC did go to the Met a few years ago. She wore the infamous tax the rich dress. She wasn't she doesn't have an ethics review against her. So is it safe to say that she was given a ticket? Probably, probably. I mean, the, the ethics committee won't, these things come out, they drip out. I mean, you're seeing this is a 2016 issue that just came out now. They don't have to be upfront with when they report it. They have, if they, if the committee holds something for a certain amount of time, they have to say, Hey, we've had this. So we knew that, um, Maloney was under investigation for several weeks. We didn't know what the actual reason was until yesterday. So it's quite possible there could be something on AOC, but she did not um, request the ticket. Is 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 what I'm hearing. So that you know what what did in Maloney is not going to do in her. Maloney is on the way out. So what could her consequences be if she's already left con- Congress? And what could the consequences be? Let's say she was still in Congress. Nothing will happen um, with her. And there, you know, the, the committee is made up of five Democrats, five Republicans, all members of Congress. They are in no rush to sanction one of their own. And she's on her way out. They are just going to they're not going to have this resolved and they lose their jurisdiction once she is out of Congress. Um, if it had gone on, slap on the wrist at best. I mean, we've recently seen that there were a whole bunch of Congress people who clearly violated the Stock Act by not reporting securities transactions on time. And the committee just said, oh, they've learned from their lesson. They'll never make this mistake again. And I mean, one of those congressmen made the mistake 200 times. I mean, that's a serial offense. That's not a, oh, oops, I forgot to file a paper paper form. Um, so, you know, not much is going to happen. Well, good to know. Zach Everson, thank you so much.